Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. Now, I want to share something special with you from the book of Deuteronomy. And the Lord really put this strongly on my heart, and I believe He will be blessed. I want you to look at this with your own eyeballs. This is a word for you. Please meet me in Deuteronomy chapter 28. There's one verse I want to highlight by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, we are going to receive the tithes and offerings, and I want you to see this verse today. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's go to verse 1, which we're very familiar with these verses, but there's something I want to really uh, pull out today because the Holy Spirit is really uh, highlighting this. Verse 1, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So we want to dismiss casual Christianity. We want to embrace diligence or seriousness in our walk with the Lord. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings. I want to show you one and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So blessings, yes, are contingent upon obedience. Now, if we are ever disobedient, we just need to repent and get right with the Lord and there's forgiveness and we're back on track. Amen. But let's continue to walk in the things of God. Let's continue to honor the Lord with the tithe, the tithe, which is 10% of our increase. If you get a paycheck, 10% belongs to the Lord. Amen. So we want to be tithers, but I want to show you verse eight. And I really feel in my heart, I felt so quickened that because of your obedience, because of your tithing, because of your willingness to sow seed, we just sowed seed for the uh, Yom Kippur. And today we're actually on Feast of Tabernacles. So we are a seed sowing people. But my friends, I believe that because you are a diligent obeyer of the word of God, I believe that God's about to manifest for many of you verse eight in your life. I really believe it. Now look at verse eight, the Lord will command the blessing on you. Now this is a commanded blessing. You actually only see a couple of places in scripture. Very, very few. I'm talking under three. Areas in scripture where God actually commands a blessing. So it's not just a blessing. It is a commanded blessing and it's coming. Get ready. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. So we have a very specific commanded blessing, a blessing on your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. But I want you to notice that something is going to begin to happen first with your storehouses. I know that many of you are believing to come out of debt and God is going to supernaturally walk you out of debt. All bills paid. 
Debts paid off, paid off, paid off until they're all gone. Praise the Lord. But my friends, I want you to know that this moving of God in your finances is miraculous. It is supernatural. And while God is bringing you out of debt, and while you're a tither, and while you're sowing seed, I want you to know that God's going to buffer and build up your storehouses. God, hear me today. Please listen very carefully to what I'm telling you right now. I'm speaking something that the Lord has put on my heart to share with you. I'm telling you that the Lord, while he's helping you get out of debt and while the Lord is moving in your life, I'm telling you, he is going to build up your storehouses and there's a purpose for it. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses. Now, my friends, I do hope that you have storehouses. Notice that it's plural. It doesn't just say a storehouse or at back in the old days, like a barn. Okay. It's not just a barn or it's not just a singular thing. It's a plural means of storehouses. In other words, you should not just have one bank account or savings account. You should have two praise the Lord because it's plural. So I'm just saying how could God ever command a blessing on your, now think about it. How could God ever command a blessing on your storehouse if you don't have one? I'm not talking about your basic checking account, you know, like a personal, you know, checking account. I'm talking about a savings account, a storehouse, a barn. Okay. But how can God command a blessing on it if you don't have it? Or if you only have one, you know, maybe you're supposed to have two. Or three, praise the Lord, glory to God. So I'm saying get ready because this is something you're going to begin to see happen within, within hours or days where God's going to begin to bless you in this area. And as it begins to happen, remember this teaching, please. And when you get some unexpected or some expected extra blessing that comes in, then yes, tithe because we are tithers and also yes, you know, pray about sowing a seed, but I'm telling you also, you're going to still have extra and you're going to, you're going to be able to take perhaps even 20%. Isn't that amazing? And stick it into the storehouse blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. Now this is very important. Genesis chapter 41, Genesis chapter 41, please be very mindful that God is going to beef up your savings. Wow. Pastor Stephen, uh, then the Lord must really be going to bless me. Yes. Hello. Absolutely. Praise God. God is going to bless you. God is going to bring you out of debt. And God is also going to help you to buffer your storehouses. Praise the Lord. And yes, that doesn't mean that we have to now steal the tithe because we're supposed to stick it up. No, no, no. We're still tithing first. Praise God. We're honoring God first with the tithe. Remember, in the Greek, tithe means 10%. In the Hebrew, tithe means 10%. But in the Hebrew, it also carries the meaning of the 10% goes first. In other words, when you get your money, the first thing you do with it is you tithe on it. Praise God. So yes, we're going to be tithers, but I'm telling you, um, 
you're coming into your season where it's not like you've got to strangle, you know, the hundred dollar bill and squeeze Benjamin Franklin so hard. He's gasping for breath on the hundred dollar bill. No, you can relax. Okay. Here's the 10 Lord. There's your tie Lord. I'm going to bless you. Lord. Here's 10, another 10 for an offering and Lord, you're so good. Uh, I'm going to take 20 and I'm going to stick it over here into the storehouse. And then with what you have left the 60 or whatever, you'll have a, you'll have more money than you have month. Praise God. You'll have more money than you have bills. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is blessing you. This is a time supernaturally. We're going to, you're going to be able to beef up your, your, your barns, your savings, your storehouses. And not only now watch this, not only is God going to bless you with, uh, angles of blessing and provision that's going to come into your life. There could even be, uh, areas where you might sell something that you don't use. Matter of fact, you may never use it. And yet it's sitting there and has sat there for years and years. And while you're not going to use it, somebody else would actually love to have it. And yet you can turn around and sell it. Amen. And you can sell it and probably sell it for more than what you bought it for. Oh, Pastor Stephen, isn't that amazing? What am I going to do with that money? Amen. Well, you're going to honor the Lord with it. Okay. Tithe. Okay. But you know, in, in, in situations like that, you may be able to take half of it and put that into the storehouse. That way you have liquidity. You have liquidity on hand. You know, I, I taught on the storehouse principle based out of Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8. I taught on it about 10 years ago when I was in India and I was uh, sharing the message on a television recording. And my translator, he would translate my English into Tamil. So everything I'm teaching, he's translating. So he's hearing everything I'm saying, and, and he's thinking about it. And uh, after that one recording, he said, Pastor Stephen, thank you for this revelation about the storehouse blessing. I've never really understood that before, how if you start putting something aside, you activate God's commanded blessing on it. You may only stick over there a hundred dollars. You may only stick over there 50 in that savings. But the moment you do that, you now have a savings. And now because you're doing something, God can command the blessing upon it and it starts coming. And so he was excited uh, and thankful for that message. And I came back about a year later to do some more teachings. And when I saw him, uh, before going on to the studio set to record, he looked a little sad and he said, pastor Stephen, can I talk with you? I said, well, of course he said, you know, um, he said, I was so blessed by your teaching on the storehouse principle, but yet after about a year of savings, my wife and I had more money in our savings account than we had ever had in our life. Because remember, this is supernatural. And God had begun to bless it and bless it and bless it. But he said, Pastor Stephen, we recently had a family medical emergency. And I had to reach into that account and it depleted all of it. Now, it did pay for all of the bills. Uh, understand also that in some countries, 
It's not like they have standardized insurance. You know, like in America, you can uh, make a, a monthly payment with your insurance company. And then if something ever happens where, well, you know, you, you would pay a, you know, a premium, but then after that, they're supposed to cover the rest of it. Well, a lot of countries don't have that. <laughs> you either have the money in hand to pay the doctor or you don't get to see the doctor. You either have cash or credit card or something to pay for your hospital visit or you can't go. So there is none of this, uh, you know, where we have, you know, today, you know, like in America, you know, some Western nations, you have options for insurance, all this, where some places that just doesn't exist. So where he was at, he had to have money, liquid cash to be able to go and pay for that or else his daughter is not going to get the treatment, the help that she needs. Well, he had the money and he paid off all the bills and the family uh, situation was taken care of with prayer and good medical treatment and everything moved forward. But he was sad. He said, Pastor Stephen, I'm sad because that account is wiped out now. I said, oh, brother, I said, don't be sad. I said, you have to you have to change the way you're looking at this. Let me ask you a question. What would you have done had you not have had that money in your savings account? What would you have done? And he looked at me. He was kind of looking down. He was still a little sad. But he, when I said that, he looked at me and his eyes got so big with the realization of how God had spared him from calamity. Because it's not like he could have gone and asked somebody else. If, uh, if others are also, you know, barely keeping nose above water, it's not like you can go ask somebody else, hey, can you, you got a couple of extra uh, or a whole bunch of money to pay a big medical bill? Nobody else would have had it. So if he had not have had that, uh, yeah, it could have been a funeral. Probably would have been a funeral in the family. And so he realized what God had done for him. I said, brother, I said, just... Start again, but have take what you've got, put a little over there, and you'll have those times when suddenly you can put a whole bunch over there as God blesses, but just keep doing that and it will be supernaturally blessed and get larger and larger and you'll be back and beyond what you previously were. Ooh, glory, glory to God. Now, quickly, Genesis chapter 41. Mm -mm. Our trust is not in money. Our trust is in God. And we honor his word and his principles. That's what our trust is in, is in his kingdom. It's in him. It's in his word and his method, his ways of operating. We are in his kingdom. And yes, it does bring peace at night. And there is absolutely such, such a thing as financial peace. Our trust is completely in the Lord because even nations before have collapsed, you know, and, you know, people have woke up the next morning and the currency is not worth anything. <laughs> you know, that's happened with countries that have gone to war and a country loses and suddenly they you know, the currency is worthless, you know, uh, stuff like that. So our, our trust is, of course, ultimately in God, but we are living in a world where God has given principles and we're going to work those principles. And, and even still, uh, you know, even if a country collapses financially, it's not like stays like that within days, something new is back up and running. And it, you know, there is like a, a switch over or whatever it might be. But, um, you know, when you work the principles, you're always going to end up on top. Anyhow, praise God. Now, 
That's what we're doing today. Genesis 41, let's go a little bit further. Verse 34, Genesis 41, verse 34. Joseph said, let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one fifth. Okay, so 20%, one fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. I stand behind this pulpit today to say that as you honor the Lord with the tithe, which belongs to him, that's not negotiable. It belongs to him. As you honor the Lord with the tithe, as you even give offerings because you, of your love for God and his kingdom, I'm telling you, there's still going to be such a blessing upon your life that you're going to have provision unexpected or sometimes even expected or overflow comes in, you're going to be able to take 20%, sometimes even more, and just stick it over into the storehouse. That's after you've tithed. That's after you've given an offering. But I'm telling you, your time of abundance is here. Praise the Lord. And please remember that God wants you to do this. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. Praise God. Let's go a little further down to verse 47. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So that's what's taking place right now with you. Abundant, abundant supply. Be very, very wise with the way that you steward the overflow that God is bringing into your life. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city, the food of the fields, which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. Thank you, Lord Jesus, my friends, you are coming into a time of unprecedented abundance. I say it again. You are coming into your time of unprecedented abundance. And God wants you to establish a buffer against any form of economic famine that would try to be out there in the earth. Whether there were effects of even a physical famine, as they say, food shortages or whatever it might be. And all of those things cause ripple effects in economies. But God is going to supernaturally establish you with a very, very strong buffer. And I see that in the end times, these are prophetic events that are going to unfold. And they cannot be stopped. The whole earth is going to burn with the heat and intensity of an oven. It's going to burn financially. In other words, there's going to be pressures. And it's not like you can say if you're in America, uh, let's escape to Switzerland. And it's not like if you're in Switzerland, you can say, well, let's escape the, you know, let's all go to England. No, it's going to be all over the world. Nations where uh, the people are puzzled and that they're not sure where should they put money or what should they do. But I'm telling you, the church is going to shine because there will be supernaturally within the body of Christ buffer and principles 
and abundance, and you will be seen as a sign and a wonder. Praise God. And many unbelievers will want to know, how is this working for you when others are feeling the heat? And you can be a great witness for Jesus and explain to them why you have it made in the shade. Because you have a covenant exemption from the financial terror that inflicts fear upon people. And even in history past has caused men and women to jump off the top of skyscrapers in hopelessness and a spirit of suicide because they worshiped the God of Mammon. But because we worship Jehovah Jireh, mm -mm, we have a God that can get it over to us no matter what's going on in the world. And this is your time of blessing. This is your time of increase. You must walk in the Joseph wisdom anointing. Praise God, because there will come a time we have some more time to prepare, but there will come a time where things will get tighter as far as freedoms. Things will get tighter as far as controls, and it will try to put pressure on people to yield to the various ideologies that are godless that are going to be pushed but you're going to have a buffer and you're not going to feel that heat. Now lift your hands. This is the time where God is going to fill your storehouses. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people as they are tithers. They are systematic tithers bringing your 10% in to the storehouse. Father, as your people honor you with the holy tithe, as they sow seed, even uh, during this Feast of Tabernacles, Father God, as they express their love to you through their obedience and giving, I thank you, Father, that you are right now commanding the blessing on their storehouses. And even I speak to many that even if their storehouses, uh, all they've got in there is a can of beans and uh, green, uh, maybe some uh, uh, pickled prunes. Lord, you're going to fill up the storehouse. Praise God. Whatever might be their form of a storehouse. And maybe they want some extra spaghetti noodles or whatever. Lord, that will be full. And Lord, their, their, their money storehouses will be full. I just speak over their storehouse. Houses, Father God, I pray that they have their storehouses in order. I pray that they have their accounts accurate, and I pray, Father, that they follow that Joseph anointing that they it, that they would be putting the twenty percent aside during the times of abundance. Father, I pray when that unexpected check comes in the mail, or they get handed this money or this breakthrough happens, that they'll remember. I pray that by your Holy Spirit that they'll remember this message. And they'll remember storehouse principle. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We thank you for abundance and overflow. We thank you for blessing us that we might be a blessing. And Father, we thank you that through the wisdom that you gave to Joseph, multitudes were kept alive and they were kept from dying one of the cruelest deaths known to humans, which is that of the agony and the pain of starvation. Father, we thank you that we are destined to keep many alive, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, now bring the tithe into the Lord's house. Get ready for the Lord to touch your storehouses with a commanded 
blessing. Praise the Lord. Those of you that are mailing your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. For those of you that prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world, day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that has a red heart and it says give. You can click that and bring your tithe in from anywhere in the world online. We also have a section called projects and you can click on that. You'll see the various projects we're working on. And if you would like to sow into one of those or any of those, it is a great blessing and it helps move forward the other powerful outreaches of the ministry, such as the pure gold TV program uh, and so forth. Thank you so much for your giving father. I thank you that your people are blessed in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, before we get into today's message, let me just also say that uh, concerning storehouses, uh, sometimes people ask me for investment advice. I don't do that. I don't feel led to do that, but I'm saying you make your storehouses, what you and the Holy spirit feel they're supposed to be. Okay. You know, money or, you know, uh, putting cash in here or whatever your storehouse is, or, you know, that's between you and God, but God's going to give you the extra to beef them up. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Let's today talk about empowerment through the prayer altar. Father, as we're going into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would quicken your holy word. Let it be spiritual food to us that gives strength, endurance, and hope and encouragement. We thank you, Father God, for the miracles that you're going to do. We thank you for the prayers that you're answering, and we thank you for heaven on earth in our lives right now. Now we give you all of the praise in Jesus name. Amen. We're moving over now to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter six. Let's go there today. We're talking again about empowerment through the prayer altar. Praise the Lord. God's going to give you strength and power, and it comes through the altar of prayer. Now, in verse 9, command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. Verse 12, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall, but, shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Verse 13, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Now, please say that the fire must never go out. Please say it again. The fire must never go out. Now, the standard procedure there at the altar would be that one lamb is sacrificed in the morning and another lamb is sacrificed in the evening. But 
The challenge for the priest primarily would be at nighttime to keep that fire going all night because when that last lamb is offered, there's no more sacrifices that are being received at that time. Now there's still some sacrifices to burn that have come in earlier and they have been prepared, but it's not like at nighttime people are coming up with their, with their sacrifices and, and, and saying to the priest, well, here's mine. I know it's one o'clock in the morning, but here's my animal to sacrifice. No, no, that that's all stopped until the following day. So the thing is, is at, is at nighttime, they have to really watch that fire and they have to make sure that it's going to burn slow and gentle because they've got to keep it going all night long. We understand, of course, that the lamb and the shedding of that blood and that sacrifice represents Christ, our perfect sacrifice, but the smoke from these sacrifices going up would be representative of prayer. Praise God. So we want to keep the fire on the altar all the time. If we get away from the spirit of prayer, then we will begin to get away from the presence of the Lord and we begin to lose the things that matter most in life. Praise God. And we're not going to let that happen. Say, I will keep the fire burning and it will never, ever go out. Praise God. And it is very possible to do that. And the priest did that. And we're going to do the same thing also with our prayer lives. It is very important that we understand that every move of the spirit is preceded and operated and then sustained by prayer. Praise the Lord. You can get a breakthrough, but you have to maintain it now through prayer. For example, let's go over the Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12. We see that freedom is established, but it has to be maintained here in verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. My friends, you can have come out of a horrific background and God uh, can deliver uh, people out of the most uh, awful atrocities. But when you come to the Lord and you love the Lord, you must continue to walk with the Lord, lest you be like the dog that returns to its vomit. I actually saw that one time. I, I'll never forget it because uh, one time when I was a young boy, for whatever reason, my dog threw up. You know, it was our family dog. He threw up outside. And of course, you know, it was a big pile of throw up. He thought, ooh, gross. Then about 20 minutes later, uh, I saw the dog go back over there and start eating it again. I thought, ooh, wow. Well, that's actually in the Bible. That's, yeah, that's, that's disgusting. Right. Well, that's what it's like when you go back to those things that previously held you captive, but God set you free, but now you're back uh, 
around that again. Why? What's going on? What's going on in situations like that? Well, when we are made clean, it requires a life of sustained prayer to sustain the victory over these various things of the fleshly nature. Praise God. Failure in these areas is most often a result. Are you ready for this? Of not taking one's prayer life seriously. And I, I hear, you know, when there is, you know, a setback, when there is a, a failure or constant failure, I hear various excuses. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I tell you, the devil, whoo, he sure made it tempting. Boy, he sure threw it all at me. I, I understand that. I understand the devil can, um, he can turn up the heat. And, but, but the reason though there's failures and breakdowns, even habitual sins that can be picked up or practiced, it all goes back to somebody who is not taking their prayer life seriously. And that's the raw truth. People dance all around that and say, well, that's not really the reason. No, that's absolutely 100% the reason. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, what in the world was I supposed to do? I mean, it was so strong. It was like a magnet, and I, I was overcome. Yep, that's because you have get, been getting weaker and weaker in prayer. Then you got walloped by the devil, and then suddenly he looks so big, and the temptation looks so gigantic, and you feel so weak, it's because you haven't been taking your prayer life seriously. And if you ever find yourself in a red danger zone like that, let me share with you what you can do immediately to put the brakes on to keep from having a disaster. The first thing that you need to do is back off all food. If you find yourself in a place like that where you you feel like you're about to give in on something that's definitely not good. Okay. Back off almost completely of all food. Only eat the smallest amount you need to perform your work and to be able to function, but don't eat anything extra. So if that's just a couple of little crackers, or if that's just go eat a pickle or whatever it might be, just shut the food thing down. And then just as soon as you can get alone to pray, go right in the prayer for about three hours. A lot of it praying in the spirit, just like this. And just pray, pray for about three hours. And as you back off the food and as you pray, you'll begin to back off that flaming inferno of whatever it is that's agitating, aggravating your flesh. And that fire will begin to go out of the wrong fire of the evil fire of the fleshly fire. Praise God. And then later in the evening, when you're free, such as being off work or after the children are put to bed or whatever the case might be, then pray another two hours further in tongues, and you're going to start to get free. Do that for seven days, hardly eat any food, and push it in prayer just like that for seven days, and suddenly you will know what it is to walk in that strong presence of of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. This is what I got from the Lord before sharing this message. The only reason your flesh 
gets inflamed is because your spiritual life has become extinguished. Mm. In other words, the fire on the altar went out. The prayer fire went out. You let it go out somehow. <laughs> and the, the flesh fire got inflamed. Mm -mm. Okay, again, the only reason your flesh or the flesh nature is inflamed is because your spiritual life, the prayer life, has been extinguished. So what you have to do is you have to get that fire relit on the altar. Praise God. Mm -mm. And see, that's, what the, that's the whole thing about an altar. An altar is designed and built for sacrifice. So it is the sacrifice of your life. It is the sacrifice of you coming there to pray, not check emails. The sacrifice of you coming there to pray and intercede and, and get into the presence of the Lord. It, there's a sacrifice involved. There's a dying to self involved in that. And it's a beautiful thing in the eyes of the Lord. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago when we talked about Charles Finney, who said, now think about this, the great revivalist and evangelist, Charles Finney said, if I lose the spirit of prayer for one hour or one day, I cannot win souls. And he was the Billy Graham of his day. He was the Billy Sunday. He was the evangelist of his day. And he said, if he ever lost a spirit of prayer for one day or one hour, he, he's powerless. He cannot win souls. Let me tell you something else. If your fire goes out on your prayer altar, you will lose interest in souls. You just don't really care. You begin to fall in love with the world and you begin to think about all the stuff that's out there and the, you know, zillions upon zillions of forms of entertainment and recreation competing for your attention. And you can get caught up in things like that. And uh, then you lose your boldness. You lose uh, that ability to witness, uh, that ability to look at people and talk with them directly and speak uh, with them about the, the, their heart issues and about the, the condition of their soul. You, you, can't not, you can't do it when you're not praying. And if you try to do it and you're not praying, it's not going to work. Uh, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't go. It just won't fly. You have to be a spiritual person through prayer. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Get the fire relit on the altar. Let's go to the book of Zechariah. It seemed very clearly here in this scripture. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David. Okay, so God wants to pour on you and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. What is he going to pour on them? The spirit of grace and supplication. The English Standard Version and many other versions say the spirit of grace or favor and prayer. So yes, there is a spirit of grace and there is a spirit of prayer. And it's that spirit of prayer touching you that actually empowers you to want to pray. There is a fire, an inner flame that you just think, I'm looking forward to my next prayer session. I'm looking forward to getting up early and spending time with God. Or, you know, you could be during the day and you're thinking, I'm looking forward to having an hour with the Lord tonight after everything is done around the house and everything's quiet and everybody's asleep. I'm looking forward to another hour with the Lord. I want to keep the fire going at night, especially slow burn at night. Woo, glory to God. 
Praise God. Well, what what empowers that desire? What uh, empowers like an inner longing for something like that? The spirit of prayer. The spirit of prayer touching you. It's actually the spirit of favor and prayer. Praise God. And when that spirit of prayer touches you, yes, uh, you want to pray and you lose interest in the things of the world that seem to captivate so many people so strongly. Let's go to the book of Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11. Woo, praise the Lord. Wow. Verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And excuse me. And he who wins souls is wise. So here we see that wisdom is the fundamental requirement for reaping the harvest. And much of this wisdom is actually released to you through your prayer life. Praise God. You know, when you try to minister to someone that doesn't know the Lord, everybody's different. They all are going through different scenarios in life and they all have different backgrounds. They all have different careers. They all have different likes and interests. So you actually need a wisdom that is for each person. And while you can use like a format of evangelism that, you know, is universal yet at the same time, the Holy spirit helps you to tweak it or to adjust it to the various people that you would talk to and meet and witness to. Woo, praise God. Because sometimes you have a little more time. Sometimes you hardly have any time, but yet the Holy Spirit helps you. But that wisdom flows out of a man or woman, boy or girl, who loves God, belongs to God, and is walking in the spirit of prayer. I would rather... And I say this with all of my heart, I would rather a person know the spirit of prayer and know how to walk in that and sustain that and keep that fire burning than to have a college degree. I think I actually am convinced with all of my heart that is far more important than a college degree. That is far more important than a PhD, THD, or DD, or whatever it might be. It is more important to know how to get into prayer through the spirit of prayer and walk in that and be a prayerful Christian than to have other accolades of the world that the world may applaud, but you have no fire burning on the altar. Mm -mm. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong, of course, with education. I'm a big believer in higher education. And for many that have certain career callings, you have to have that. You're going to have to venture into those uh, academic calls, and you're going to have to spend your years there and, and do that. But anything that would try to strip or keep or pull you away from the spirit of prayer, um, if something has to go, uh, don't ever let it be the spirit of prayer. Praise God. Doesn't mean that you have to abandon what it is that you would enjoy or uh, perhaps your, you know, career tra trajectory or things along that line. But I'm just telling you what's important and what really matters because there's a lot of people, they're going to go their way and they're going to go 
off to the wrong direction because they're not praying. And I'm talking about Christians and thus they're living their life, but it's, it's their life. It's not the life that God has for them. And you can only pick that up through the spirit of prayer. And of course you have to maintain that it's never a one and done. You have to maintain your freedom. You have to maintain your Liberty. You have to maintain your witness. And the only way that you can do that is through keeping the fire burning. And that is what the spirit of prayer does. Woo. Praise God. Well, pastor Stephen, I think I've lost that. Then fight with everything you've got to get back into that. Because when you're in that place, it makes the word come alive. And if, if you don't have the spirit of prayer, you can get real dry with dogma and doctrine real quick. You can, you can get real, real, real dry. Oh, praise the Lord. So we must have the spirit of prayer. Now let's go to the book of Daniel. We're walking in the supernatural wisdom. We're walking in the spirit of prayer we have a heart to win the lost. Amen. Daniel chapter 12. Let me get a drink of hot tea real quick. And let's go down to verse three. Those who are wise, that's you. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. I break any old depression off of you in the name of Jesus, any fog, any dull, uh, uh, any pushing down of your spirit. I break that off of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is your time to shine. Amen. Like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Well, we have enough of the world's evangelists. I call them the devil's evangelists. Sometimes they can be news media proclaiming their uh, devilish ideologies and, and, and just pushing it. And others can be the world famous, you know, rock singers or pop singers or famous celebrities that have millions of followers on social media, but yet they are agents of the enemy because they're, they're basically like evangelists for the devil. <laughs> they're not leading people away from sin. They're actually leading people to indulge in what God condemns and says is unholy and wrong. But my friends, those who turn many to righteousness, you're going to shine like the stars forever and ever. This is the legacy of those who are wise. Woo. Praise the Lord. Turning many to righteousness. What is a rich man who does not have eternal life in Christ? He's, a, I'll tell you what he is. He's a poor man who has money. That's what he is. He could be a wonderful person, could be a very nice person, but he's lost. So he is a poor man who has money. You know, I talked to a person the other day, and uh, you know, I could tell the person's not saved. The person uh, in their conversation would, you know, use uh, profanity and things like that. And uh, but I, I'm having a conversation with this person, and um, just before saying goodbye, I. I knew this would be my last opportunity to talk to this person. And I said, my friend, I said, have you ever considered the Lord Jesus 
Have you ever considered your sins and that he has paid the price for your sins? If you put your trust in him, you can receive forgiveness of, you know, all wrongs. And I said, even if you gain all these things that you're wanting to do and, you know, you succeed and you become wildly successful, what does it matter if you gain the whole world, but you don't know God and you lose your own soul? I said, have you ever considered God in your, in your life? He said, he said, Stephen, I've never considered God once. I said, I pray that you will. I pray that you will. And he appreciated that. He had, had never had anybody ever in his life try to talk to him about God or the things of God. See, when you witness it's not like everybody that you share the gospel with is going to say, yes, yes, I tell you what, I see it. You're right. I tell you what, I want to get Jesus right now. Come on, go ahead, lead me in prayer. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so it's not like that happens every time. Often it's sowing seed, sowing seed. But there are other times, yeah, there's harvest, and the person is ready. Praise the Lord. And they, they, want, they want to know God. They're fed up with being, uh, you know, uh, humiliated by the devil. They're fed up with their sin or their bondage, and they want to receive their Savior. Amen. And we're there to pray for them. But sometimes, sometimes you may try to witness to somebody, and you, 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 you've prayed, and you're trying to express God's love, and they listen, but there's no response. And you do it again, the second person, third person, fourth por person. But you know what? It might be number 22. Uh, that you talk to and the person says, you know, I, you're right. I want to get my life right with God right now. I, I want to do that right now. And you can pray for them. Praise the Lord. Amen. My friends, this is just the way that we live. Amen. Reaching out and throwing out the, the, the life vest for whoever wants to grab it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but that's what we do. But the spirit of prayer, it, it, it's what empowers us to, to have a heart for the lost. It's what, I'll be honest, it, it's what empowers me to pray for you. Amen. I get your prayer request. If you email at contact at stephenbrooks.org, our office workers take those, print them out, and hand them to me. I cannot respond by email to each one because it takes too much time. But I see every single one. They come to me, they're printed out on paper, and I don't just throw them away. I look at each one, and I pray over your prayer request. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, uh, what gives you the energy to do that? The spirit of prayer. The spirit of prayer. I want to see God move in your life. I want to see your needs met. I want to see your body healed. I want to see that son or daughter touched by the power of God. And I pray for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Again, I cannot respond to everyone by answering the, the various emails because there's too many and it takes too much time. But I can pray. I can take your request and look at them and bring them before the Lord. And as you join your faith with me, we can believe that God will do a miracle. And so often he does. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. And of course, I would ask that you would pray for me. And you know what? I would ask that you would also pray for my wife. You know who gets attacked 
most often in ministries is the minister's wife. It's the pastor's wife because they do so much. The pastor's wives, like my wife, she does so much. She's a brilliant administrator. And at the same time, she's also a prophetess and she's my wife. But the enemy, he goes in special ways where he will try to attack the minister's wives and will cause weird attacks to come against them. Think about it in the Bible. It's so consistent even with Moses. Moses marries a woman and they love each other. They're married. And the next thing you know, Moses' sister is causing all kinds of havoc because of the wife that he married. Now, you want to just say, now come on, Mir- Miriam. We got enough problems. We got three million people here. We got all kinds of problems. Leave the man alone. Leave his wife alone. Why do you have to mess with his wife? And yet, here she's going to jump in there and she's going to pull Aaron in there and all, now all this stuff. And it's being blasted towards his wife. I'm telling you, in ministry, ministers' wives get hit with all kinds of crazy stuff. And I would just ask that you would pray for me, pray for my wife. Amen. Pray for this ministry that we move forward in all that God has called us to do. And I thank you. I can feel your prayers. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. But my friends, let us be those that walk in this end time wisdom, understanding that we're going to be living with the Lord for eternity. And we want our inheritance to be that of the bright shining star. That is the potential that we have to come into, but that is for those that turn others from uh, evil and you're endeavoring to turn them to the Lord. I spoke to a, a man the other day living unmarried with a woman and he says that he loves her and she says that she loves him. And I said, I said, as a man of God, if you love each other, how come you're not committed? Because when you're living together and you're not married, you may say, Hey, I love you. And I, uh, we love each other, but you're also saying in an underlying current that undermines the so-called love you're saying, but I'm not committed because I ain't going to marry you. So you're living together, which the Bible calls sin, calls it fornication. So I talked to this couple and I mainly talked to the guy and I said, Hey, if you want to be taken serious, then you have to, you have to show commitment and not just live with somebody, you know, in an unmarried state, get married at least because the person's unsaved. I said, at least give God some material to work with because God will bless marriage. That's, that's an institution that he has established between a man and a woman. I said, so at least get married. If you don't want to live for God, at least get married and show the person that you are committed. And you know what he did? He said, I'm going to do it. <laughs> he proposed the next day and got married shortly thereafter. Mm-mm. Now, I'm not trying to get people to do moral good and get to heaven by doing good moral good. You, you get to heaven by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. But along of course with being saved and born again, yeah, you cut off all that stuff that you would have done as a sinner and say, now I'm going to live right because that's just what we do as those who are created and made and born again in the image of God. Praise God. Let's go over to 
the prophet Jeremiah just for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 20. Praise the Lord. It's a little bit like what Billy Graham said one time when he went to minister in Japan. And uh, there was a very, very low response because there are very, very few Christians in Japan. And I think that's because we did not send the missionaries after World War II. And General MacArthur said he, he, he put a cry out to the churches of America and said, send Japan 20,000 missionaries. They are wide open right now for the gospel. They're wide open. And I think, I think maybe America, the American churches scrounged up a little less than 300 and it wasn't enough to, to move the dial. And so it's almost like that window of harvest opportunity closed. And today there's very, very few Christians in Japan. But Billy Graham, when he went there, he said, you know, if I can't persuade you to receive Christ, I do want to try to persuade you to read the Bible, particularly the book of Proverbs, which has God's wisdom for living. And if you just do what God says to do, and if you obey what he says, you're, you'll find your life will begin to work much, much better. So he's a very wise preacher, of course. Now, Jeremiah chapter 20, let's go down to verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Well, he has to let it back out again, that prophetic word. My friends, if you let the fire on the altar go out, your dreams and visions will begin to look like something off in the distance. You will begin to feel the, uh, the sad presence of hopelessness. But the moment the fires are rekindled and that word begins to come alive on the inside of you, it may have been simmering or almost out. I'm telling you what, you're right back in the faith fight. And you're like, yep, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And he is. And you'll see that he will. And you'll go from victory to victory. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, there are skirmishes. There are battles uh, in between because we know there are giants in the Canaan land. So we have to possess it by faith and fight and war the good fight of faith. But with the Lord, you just keep moving forward. Praise God. But it all revolves around keeping the prayer fire, the prayer altar lit and never going out. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everything a value, we understand that it has a cost. In other words, nothing valuable is free. Following God casually will only produce for you a casual experience. Mm, this is important because we're talking about the value of a burning fire. We're talking about the value of an established prayer altar that's empowering you to be the person that God has called you to be. So again, following God casually will only produce for you a casual experience. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So you must give great attention to this in order to see the great breakthroughs that you're desiring for God to do. And he's going to do it. Look at this in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus was very straightforward concerning these things. Matthew chapter seven, 
Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. This is not saying that the harvest is only just for a few people, because uh, in church history, we do have those moments when the wave comes in, and it's like the fish are biting. I mean, <laughs> I had a, an apostle friend of mine that uh, he led a great revival in Australia, and the Spirit just came in, the wave of God came in, and his little church grew to thousands of members, and it happened quick within just a few months. And he said, he said, Stephen, he said, it just overwhelmed us. He said, it overwhelmed me. And, it, you know, it put strain on my marriage because I mean, the church is just exploding with growth. It overwhelmed our staff. And uh, he said, for example, he said, one Sunday morning, he said, myself, my wife, and our staff, we were just worn out because of all of the evangelism and, you know, the revival meetings. He said, what I'm going to, so he determined this is what he was going to do. He was going to go out and just preach a real short message on that Sunday and just talk just a little bit about communion. And then he was going to close the service and then they could all go home and rest. So he went out and gave a little talk, talked a little bit about communion and so let us all bow our heads. And when he said, amen, in Jesus name, amen, he lifted his eyes up and the whole altar area was full of hundreds of people that wanted to get saved. <laughs> no altar call, nothing. Just people coming. Because God's moving, and that spirit uh, of revival is there, and it's harvest time. Praise God. Amen. Well, amen. So in, in cases like that, you maintain the prayer altar. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So yes, this is not, it's not like this is saying that the harvest is real, real small, and hardly anybody ever makes it. No, it's talking about God's plan, God's best for your life. The selfish plan which the prayerless man, uh, you know, can't get into the God plan because it's unveiled through the spirit of prayer. So there are many, even in the church, they're on this path that leads to uh, choices that can be very much regretted later. But verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So in the church, if you want to find that real life, then you're going to have to keep that prayer altar fire burning day and night, day and night. Well, Pastor Stephen, if I do that, what will I find? Well, you'll find the way that leads to life. You'll find the way that leads to life. That is the happiest highest level of living that God has planned for you. You know, when Count Zinzendorf was on his deathbed and he was just about to pass away and all of the Moravians were around him, several hundred, and they knew that he was about to die. And since his youth, God's hand has been on his, on his life to be a leader and he was, uh, you know, educated in the finest schools of Europe. He studied in university and a university in Paris. 
And he was determined to keep his purity. And he was determined to keep his fire for God and never to let that flame go out. And he said, he said one night, excuse me, one day in the afternoon, uh, one of these aristocratic socialite ladies said to him, Oh, uh, you know, Count Zinzendorf, were you at the opera last night? At the, were you at the Paris opera last night? He said, No. He said, no, where was he? He was at the prayer meeting. <laughs> and he said, oh, this wretched world with all of its wretched distractions that people get caught up in. You know, so he was like, no, I'm not going to any of those operas. And he told all of his friends, pray for me, that none of this stuff pulled me away from my walk with God. And it didn't because he kept the fire burning and he kept it burning all through his life. And so because of that, God's hand was on him to establish at that time, the world's leading missionary base. And out of that base, which was called Hernhut, then missionaries were going to the most remote parts of the earth. And yes, it was some Moravians that John Wesley met that led him into a true understanding of salvation and a real walk with God. And we know what John Wesley went on to do, but he was also a man that kept the prayer fire burning. Praise the Lord. But on his deathbed, Count Zinzendorf had hundreds that were close by. And he said, my brothers and my sisters, because of the spirit of prayer that we have had over the years has it not been like living like heaven on earth? It's like we've had the angels in our very midst, and we've had heaven on earth all of these years. Woo! And they had that without modern-day plumbing, without modern-day heating or air conditioning. They had that with many of the challenges that they went through, but they never lost the focus, and they kept the fire burning. Glory to God. So he goes on to his reward, shining shining as a brilliant star. And I see you playing your part. I see you fulfilling the role that God has for you, whatever that role might be. But I see you keeping the fire burning and being one of the happiest people on the earth because of your walk with the Lord. You know, even the apostle Paul knew that there was something more important than just being a successful minister he mentioned that in Philippians chapter 3, and there in verse 8, he said, Yet indeed, I also count all things loss. That would include that brilliant education that he had, being taught by the most gifted rabbi at that time, Gamaliel. Okay? So Paul said, Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And in verse 13, he said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting completely those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in 
Christ Jesus. And Paul's cry really was like, I just want to know God. I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's more than just ministry. It's more than just what we could call even success in, in business or success in career or having a beautiful family or whatever the case might be. It's knowing the Lord and you cannot know the Lord without the fire burning brightly day and night. Praise the Lord. Did you know there was a temple guard there among the priesthood and at night? See, in the Old Testament, you had the, ta you had the tabernacle and then you had the temple that Solomon built. But then also in the time of Jesus's ministry, there was the temple that Herod built. And that was the temple that Jesus uh, went to, uh, the house of God there on the earth. Under the Old Testament, you had the localized place. But it was very interesting because Jesus, he understood the temple structure. And at nighttime, the temple guard, the priest at night, they were responsible for protecting the temple. Lest somebody break in and defile it or something like that. And there was a guard. Many of these orders were established by King David, and they, you know, they uh, grew and consisted throughout the decades and centuries afterwards. But my friends, there was, a, there was the head guard, and he would walk around with several other guards and check all the various posts and make sure the fire's burning and all of this. And it's true, because uh, I've, I've read the reports, I've read the ancient manuscripts, that if you were a priest on duty, and you fell asleep at the temple on your post. You fell asleep. That head guard, who was a head priest, not the, not the high priest, but a head guard priest, he could take a match and he would light a corner of your robe on fire. And he wouldn't let he wouldn't wake you up. He'd let the fire wake you up. <laughs> and uh, that's exactly what he would do. So you would never want to fall asleep because he'd he'd set your your clothes on fire. Mm -mm. Praise God. They took it extremely, extremely serious. You keep that fire burning. Do not let that fire go out. Praise God. My friends, the spirit of grace is a lot more gentle than a uh, guard at the temple who could take a match and uh, light, you know, the corner of your robe on fire. Praise God. But the spirit of grace will help you get up. He'll help you pray. He'll help you structure things so that your prayer life can be established and the spirit of grace and prayer will be there so that you can just keep that flow going. See, even for example, when I travel internationally, the body clock gets thrown upside down and uh, daytime now feels like nighttime and nighttime uh, when you're supposed to be asleep, you find yourself wide awake. Well, I've learned over the years, if it's night, and I'm wide awake. I'm not going to try to go to sleep when I can't. I'm just going to go ahead and pray. I've got all that time. Everything's totally quiet. So the spirit of prayer works with you all the time, no matter where you're at. <coughs> Excuse me. Whether you're traveling, your job might require you to travel or whatever it might be. He will flow with you to keep that anointing flowing so that the fire stay lit. It stays lit. Praise God. Whether it's Praying on an airplane. I mean, just put a blanket over your head. Kind of pray quietly. I mean, nobody knows. You're underneath the blanket. 
That's the whole thing about a prayer shawl. It's your little private world. Nobody knows, you know, what you're doing under there. You're just in there praying. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Having your own, your own tabernacle with the Lord. I, we know that God dwells in us, but you have your little private zone. Amen. Just you and the Lord. Glory to God. Now lift your hands. I want to pray for the spirit of grace and prayer to touch you in a new way. Lift your hands. Father, I'm sure there are some that are watching. They've struggled to keep the fire going. Maybe they keep it going for a while and then other times it goes out. But I thank you, Father, I'm praying right now that the spirit of grace and prayer touch them now in the name of Jesus. Let that anointing come upon them of your spirit that they might have that inner desire to pray that burning, that fire to pray. And I thank you, Father, they'll keep it going and it will not go out. I thank you, Father God, that you're also connecting prayers together. Thank you, Father God. And the fires will be flamed and fueled by good Christian spirit-filled fellowship. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Thank you that the anointing is flowing now and that the fire will be kept burning continually. We give you all of the praise in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Now for those who might be watching who you would not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. Today is your day of salvation. Don't put it off another moment. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. And when you ask him, he'll come right into your heart and he'll save you. And I'm sure that there are some that are also watching that you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. At one time you belong to the Lord, but whatever happened and you fell away from the Lord, but it's time today for you to come back and recommit, rededicate your life to the Lord. If that's you, I want you to also pray this prayer. All right, let's pray right now. Just say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life fully to you right now. Jesus, save me. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now lift your hands. Those of you that have prayed that, lift your hands and give God glory. Give him praise. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, anybody that is a Christian can take Holy Communion. And as an online church, and also as a family of believers, let's take Holy Communion together. I want to encourage you to grab some, some grape juice and also grab a little cracker, a little wafer, and let's take communion together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the juice and the bread, and we bless it right now. We set this apart as being holy, and we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you as we receive the Lord's flesh. We thank you for strength and power 
We thank you for inner strength through that anointing of the spirit of prayer. Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you for the Holy Spirit igniting the fires of prayer within us. We thank you, Father God. There will be some that will find it no trouble at times to pray all night long. Father, we give you praise because that spirit of grace and prayer is touching them. That's what's empowering them. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your Holy Spirit helping us. We now receive the Lord's body in his name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Woo, glory. Glory to God. This prayer life has a mystery to it. There are sometimes it may be late at night. It's different at different times. There's sometimes it may be 11 o'clock at night, but I'm not sleepy. So, you know, my mind will think, well, you've got to get up early because you want to spend time with the Lord. So you just need to go to sleep. But in my spirit, I think, well, I think I'll pray instead. And I'll pray from 11, maybe to one in the morning. And then my, my mind would think, well, you're going to be too tired to get up now because it's already one o'clock. But I feel so blessed by the Lord that although I stayed up from 11 to one in prayer, not watching TV, wasting my time, but in prayer, then the next thing I know at 430, I'm back up again. And somehow I don't understand it, but I feel okay. <laughs> and I think, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. That is the spirit of grace and prayer, and it is supernatural. Amen. And it carries you. You just yield to it and you flow with it and you keep it. Now, if there's a time you may be a little bit tired in, in the day, the Holy Spirit help you get a little nap or something like that, but you're right back at it. But it is amazing the supernatural grace and power that the Holy Spirit provides when you're walking in that prayer anointing. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, if anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them. We forgive them completely, and we bless them, and we go on with you. And we thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin and all unrighteousness. We give you praise. Father, we want to shine like stars in the heavenlies. We want to make our lives count. Father, we just thank you. We embrace your Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace and prayer. And we thank you, Father God, for putting us in the path of those who need you and whose hearts will be open to the gospel. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, my friends, as we wrap up Feast of Tabernacles, I pray you have a blessed Sunday. I pray you have a wonderful week. And may you be found stirring the fire at the altar, keeping it going. Till next time, stay blessed. I'm praying for you. Bye-bye.